Hello, everyone. Thank you very much for turning in, turn, tuning into the Professional Insights Season Two podcast, uh, episode uh, thirty-seven. Trev, thirty-seven, thirty-seven. Uh, live, live from our houses in COVID country. I'm Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. I'm Josh Bond. I'm Trevor Lindy. Now, keep in mind too, this isn't live. It's live played at a, a future date yeah i know it's not live well yeah it's, well you said live well i meant like you know what i meant we're, we're okay. in our <laughs> right like we're alive this is you know yes we are early. alive we are yes, all right alive now. right now live from our houses okay <laughs> um i should have broken into uh the trailer yard at at niagara trailers could have recorded from my trailer since josh is recording <laughs> from his cottage yeah, <laughs> I was gonna. Um, what if we had to use the bathroom? Yeah, what, if, yeah, what would have happened if we had to use the bathroom there, Trev? Yeah, we can't do that. No, nope. I'd be fine. I'd be oh, fine. So you're allowed to use it now? No, I didn't say that. Then but I'd be, be the fine. only one there. So what do I need to use the bathroom for? I'll just make sure I use the bathroom. Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot. Before I go. Well, well I think what we're just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll go and use one of the nailer neighbor's trailers. <laughs> Maybe they're sensible. We're, what are we talking uh, about today, Well, well, Jeff. Well, I think we maybe we should kick it off with the whole um, apology to me. Right. <laughs> what episode was that, Jeff? What episode was that? Thirty-six, was that? I think. Thirty-five, thirty-four. All three of them. Uh, thirty-three. and I was talking about this and this and. <laughs> Pretty sure it was every episode that we rec we recorded 32, 34, 33, 34, 35, and 36 on, on, March uh, on March 4th, yes. So I'm Seven days before the uh, historical date of NBA kicking off the pandemic kind of worldwide. Lockdown, that, yeah. That's the date for me when it really started. It was when the NBA said, boom, everyone off the court. They had NHL hockey games that night, but that was the last day. That yeah. boy, Rudy. I, uh, I will I will officially <laughs> apologize. Um, I still think you're a hypochondriac. I, I still think no. you're no. I still <laughs> think you're a nervous Nancy. Um, but I'm 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 so sad that you're right. I'm <laughs> so so sad that that this actually came to this. Um, I, I think I've I've done a lot of a lot of thinking w with this, um, and we've chatted about this before we were recording. It is absolutely uh, clear to me, uh, no governments worldwide had a plan for something like this, even though there's been something being called for a global pandemic as, as early as 2015 with Bill Gates' infamous um, TED talk. Um, See, were... I'll disagree with you there. Taiwan, and my wife outs this and shoots this from the top of hilltops, they're still <laughs> doing phenomenal. The kids are still going to school, businesses yeah. are still open. They've had a plan for a long time. And today, one of the reporters, because they were watching CBC every day, like most people do, because everyone's stuck at home, they were trying to get the Canadian government to thank the Taiwanese government for donating 25,000 masks. And they refused to even acknowledge Taiwan as a nation right? because of, of the whole WTO thing. Yep. So it's, it's funny because like my, my wife's from Taiwan, you know, like old disclosure here, and we watch it. We watch it quite a bit, and, and you know, part of the reason I thought this was going to be something bad earlier, and you disagreed with me because we were listening to Taiwanese 
news and, and what was going on in China. And it was really bad there. In fact, my wife canceled going to Taiwan. But Taiwan's like, I think their numbers are less than 50 people nationwide passed away from it, which the numbers you can attribute for whatever you want. They might have a little bit of COVID-19. They might have died for other reasons. You know, this is the thing that the, the, I think the media is really, you know, um, um, sensationalizing this, this, this virus by anybody dying for any reason that has any bit of COVID-19, they died from that, nothing else, right? So that's, it's interesting because there's no common flu right now at all. It's just COVID-19. So the numbers are, are, are different. Uh, but definitely Taiwan's doing great right now. Like I well, think ta ta Taiwan, yeah. When I meant when I meant I meant Western civilizations. I didn't mean I didn't mean. I, oh, I you said globally, so I was just correct. Well, you like with, with the exception of okay, with the exception of <clears throat> Taiwan, South Korea, Nunavut. And, yeah, um, <laughs> that's that's like, New Brunswick. Come on now, New South Brunswick country. is doing great. Hey, George, uh, don't come home, George. Yeah. You, stay, you, they, stay they, you have to remember, though, that they, um, that Taiwan and South Korea were uh, negatively impacted by SARS back in 2003. So, again, they had plans in place on what would happen if something like this were to happen again. Um, but I thought we had SARS, too. So I thought that we had had something we would have been or we were, yeah, or we were supposed to be a little bit more prepared. We Think about our solution for SARS. It was a fundraiser with 100,000 people at a concert. Well, no. So that was their solution. You know, let's gather everyone and well, that'll fix it. No, the, pro the, problem, the problem with SARS is that it's, it, it is a corona SARS was a coronavirus. Yeah. However, the problem was is that you were spreading it while you were symptomatic. So people knew Correct. That, that they were symptomatic and they went to the hospital. So it kind of – it was really bad in the hospital system. It wasn't bad so much – like out in public, this is completely different. They're saying close to 80% of the people are asymptomatic. And so you don't even know you're spreading it, even if you are spreading it. Um, no, I, I agree with that. But I, I, I was with the impression that as a result, not, not, not every country was hit with, with, with SARS, right? Mm -hmm. Like we, we were one of a few that was actually hit right. that, that had, had, had a, a chunk of it relative to other places, not as bad. But I thought in response to that, there was. There was. There was. A, I think they thought it'd be the same thing, though. They, so they. It, so in two, it was. It's in two thousand and six, right after the avian flu, right, mm. uh, right around MERS. I believe it was in 08 or 07. So it, it was SARS in 03, a bit of 04. Uh, the avian flu was in 04, going into 05, and in two thousand six, our current uh, head of health, which is Dr. Teresa Tam. Um, co-authored a pandemic plan or epidemic an okay. epidemic plan i thought there was something and in there it was advised that this be updated uh perpetually as different viruses come and go and what have you and of course since then we've had uh mers we've had um the swine, the swine flu we've had um the ebola two two ebola outbreaks but it wasn't updated. Um, there was no plan. Um, they did, and, but on top of that, they didn't, you know, like uh, I watched, so just like you, Jeff, I'm watching the CBC as well. And I, I saw a interview done uh, by Rosie Barton with Teresa Tam. And so the first part of the interview was her lack of, she said the lack of information from the World Health Organization, which I 100% agree with. And someone at the WHO, has to be held accountable 
for not questioning China and basically just taking China at face value because that's what it was the lack of information that was out there and they just didn't do anything about it. So I agree with her to that, to that phase where I disagree with her was her her, one of her comments was, um, well, we didn't know that closing the border was on the table at the time. Like this is back. She's talking back in January and February referencing. And she goes, we didn't know that closing the border was on the table. We didn't know that um, these, these extreme measures could have been taken. And my response to that as a financial planner is that's absolutely BS. The whole point of having a plan is to have those discussions to know that these solutions and these measures are on the table if needed. A classic. Yeah. Proactive definition of a plan. Yeah. That's the whole point of a plan. So like I'll use an example for wartime, you know, during the cold war, the U S and Canada had plans on the table in case Russia were to, you know, do X, Y, and Z. And they constantly updated those plans. Now they never needed to utilize, but they knew what was on the table and what was available to them. Same, same as me with a financial plan. When I do a financial plan with someone, I by law have to, at the very minimum, plan that out to age 90 and I have to crash the plan. I have to look at someone like Jeff or Trevor or Josh and go, hey guys, I know you're really young, but this is what a critical illness is going to look like in your plan and this is what's going to happen and how are we going to plan for that and what are we going to do and here are the measures that we can take. That wasn't ha- that's the whole point of having a plan. Yeah. It's, it's the worst case scenario. You, you plan for the worst case scenario. Yeah, and so this is all the worst case scenario globally because nobody was ready. Nobody was ready. <clears throat> at all. So it's all reactive and now a plan's going to come into place. It's too late and it costs thousands of lives. Taiwan. Taiwan's well, I good. Think, I, I think, yeah. So, that, so any, any politician that tells you that they didn't know, they didn't know, it, it is true. They did not know how serious this was because China was not being uh, Fourth right right with what was going on. That is 100% true. But the very people still think they are right. And oh no, they're not. And 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 for the very and the very fact that they said that you know they were that's why they were reactionary. You shouldn't be reactionary. You should have these plans in place in case. So my my immediate question is: is we've always talked about that the the viability of actually a you know face to face war, worldwide war, is probably improbable um it's probably going to be a global pandemic or a nuclear war and so my whole thing is what's the plan if there's a nuclear war if you didn't have a plan for a global pandemic what's your plan for a nuclear war do you even have one probably not you're probably sitting on your ass doing absolutely nothing collecting tax dollars money taxpayers money and uh not even doing anything about it this is a clear example um you're right, Jeff, and I'm. I, and quite frankly, I'm. I'm. I don't usually mind being wrong, but Christ, I'm. I'm bad. I'm sad that I'm wrong on this. Well, well the, the biggest problem here is that China's the big bully of of Taiwan, and China won't allow anyone to acknowledge Taiwan as a separate country because they want to become one China. My wife talks to me about it all the time, and so now countries can't even really go to Taiwan for advice on how they're fighting it, because China says don't even talk to them. It's it's all politics. Bullsh- bullet BS. <laughs> yeah. We're on live there. But yeah, there's a plan in place. There's lots of plans in place, and if they were following that stuff, they can do it. Like look at South Korea. They've got they've got baseball back now. 
you know, so it's coming the next month or so, everything is going to open up and it's going to be because of, when we've talked about this bend and it's the economy, the economy's got to get going or, or it's going to be really bad. And I know people complain when you say that the cure is going to be worse than the, the problem here, but you've got to start looking at, at, at mental um, disabilities or, or mental illnesses from this or, or suicidal tendencies and everything like that going on because people are losing their jobs. They don't know where they're going to get the money from. Everyone's looking for handouts from governments right now. So every day you're watching the news and it's, you know, Trudeau's giving them 4 billion of this, you know, 2 billion of this, 50,000, 50 million of this, all that. Everybody wants their free, free money. And we were talking about today, people with disability are looking to collect CERB and disability. Yep. Shame, shame, shame on, shame on those people that abuse this. Shame on you. If any of you well, listen. Their day of reckoning will come and they're not going to like it. And then they're going to be, you know, crying poor to the, to the, the journalists saying, you know, why are they taking our money back? We needed it. Who well, had the money? No, no, I, I, I know of someone right now, for example, as you guys all know, private, privately, my wife is a frontline worker. She's a social worker. Um, and what a lot of people don't understand, and we're going to touch on that in the, in the next episode, is about the CERB benefit, um, which is right up my alley, which I've been warning people exactly to Jeff's point, your day of reckoning is going to come. I posted it on Facebook, and someone turned around and, <clears throat> someone turned around and said, her, her, her comment was, a lot of people are going to get screwed on this. And I responded to her saying, you don't get screwed when you screwed, like, this is karma. You screwed yourself. You screwed yourself. Like, you did not deserve this benefit. There are so many people that are struggling to survive right now. And you are taking advantage of the situation. So I, everyone said, our, our daycare provider, our daycare provider shut down for two weeks, just out of a precaution, uh, because my kids had a cough. Fair enough totally fine. Um, cough of course was gone in two days, no temperature, no flu, no runny nose, no, none of the symptoms. We called telehealth. They're, they're fine. But, Still may have a COVID though. <laughs> it, well, we don't know. So, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. We did the, We did the two week shutdown, totally yeah. support her in that. Our next door neighbor is a ER doctor moved here from uh, Toronto. And, uh, they ironically had a daycare provider who we know. And, they were going there part-time and they were paying something like $250 a week. And the daycare provider shut, shut her doors because everyone else kept their kids at home. And because the law is you cannot keep collecting deposits to hold a child's space, nor can you kick people out of their space. It ha- their space is grandfathered until otherwise they make the decision. She found it easier, her and her husband, who ha- is also on disability, to claim CERB and stay at home and do nothing. And so these are, and so I get extremely irritated because then I was told, well, there's the free daycare. Well, that's a load of BS because number one, yes, me, I ironically are, is I am an essential worker from the financial aspect of it. People need access to their money. Right. But I am not a frontline worker, nor will I ever say that I'm a frontline worker. But my wife, who, who's out right now, uh, she had to go do a home visit, has the PEP equipment on, and she's going in. But we don't qualify for the free daycare because... You're not a frontline worker. I am not a frontline worker. You both have to be? Both have to be frontline workers. I didn't both know that. Both have to be out of the home full-time, wow. not working from home, and both have to be on the list for the free daycare. 
I find out all this a week and a half ago. I said, so what do you do about the doctor who works shift work, i.e. my next door neighbor who works 12, 14 hours a day on shift and has to get their sleep during the freaking day. And the wife works at home like everybody else and has to now take care of a toddler to make sure that the husband doesn't wake up because he's got to get some sleep. And now you she's got to go service people too. And she'd be underslept and under, yep. that's crazy. Yep. And he, and they don't qualify for the free daycare because both people have to be uh, frontline workers and out of the home. So now you've got someone who's not only taking advantage of the system, but screwing over a frontline worker like a doctor who we desperately need to stay healthy and to stay and to stay into the system. And now she's tired. It might slip up one thing and then she might get COVID. It's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So it's, um, we should leave more of that serb talk for the next episode. uh, How many minutes are we at there, Trev? Honestly, I have no idea. It doesn't actually tell me that. So we just do yeah, our well, I think we should kind of we should kind of talk about what a day is in the life of, of COVID for each of us right now, and then we can end this episode and and go to the Serba. Okay. Sure. Well, I mean, I think I, I think one uh, an episode from my perspective is going to be just an episode and probably virtual signings, right? And I'm sure everybody can probably uh, oh yeah chime in on that. Oh, I've been doing DocuSign for a while, so I'm used to that. But now, yeah, we did, we've done a couple recently, too, so that's interesting. So for you, you're clearly working from home most of the time, right, Josh? Yeah, I mean, I... I it's, you go to the office for the virtual signings? No, I, I do the virtual signings from home, but I've got to go back in because I need a wet signature on everything, right? And with your haircut at two months now with that one? Yeah, it's probably been, yeah, about two months. <laughs> Would you say weight gain or weight loss? I'd say weight loss. Weight loss, eh? Yeah, in around December, I uh, I, I started, uh, maybe November last year, I started a different, uh, just get, getting into my, my, my middle 40s, right? So, yeah. got to start. So I'm walking uh, like every day and riding a bike, so I'm actually losing weight because I've got free time that I normally don't, so. Yeah, it's interesting. What's your business like right now? Up down, business Same. down. Obviously, business yeah. down. Yeah, yeah, business down. I'd say we're doing probably through to the end of May, two thirds. But I think we're going to start seeing a big lull in June for us. Yeah, yeah, because of the closings and all that. Yeah, what about you, we're Curry? A little bit behind. Curry. Uh, yeah, for me. Yeah, business up yeah. down weight hair. We're uh, wait. I'm 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 intermittent fasting. Thank you for asking. I do look good. Thank you. Thank you for being concerned. Um, no, I weight's pretty. Like I mean, obviously, I fluctuate five pounds all the time. Uh, so I, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm obviously consuming a lot more alcohol. Uh, well, you're 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 someone who's not going to charity events like you normally would all the time, right? So it's. That must yeah, be so, different too. yeah. So someone like me, I'm, I'm definitely extroverted and a lot of, a lot of my, a lot of my business is out networking with people and yeah. you know, people, people, you know, like I sell a product and service that a lot of people can't touch and feel. And, um, you know, in a lot of cases need convincing that they actually need the service. Right. Yeah. So, um, a lot of face-to-face to make them feel comfortable. Right. Yeah. And, and so our business is down from a trailer perspective, because obviously we, we, we charge a fee to manage money 
And as the markets went down, obviously our trailers go down. That's obvious. Um, and then new business, yeah, that's definitely dried up. And you've got a lot of people um, postponing meetings and postponing taking out insurance products or whatever the case may be that even though you've, you've talked about them um, purely because everything's slowed up and dried up right about now. So yeah. I'm in the same boat. And, and you, Lindy, you said you're still busy with refis and all that, right? No, refis have slowed. Switches have slowed. It's other than like the odd purchases that have been in the pipeline or, um, you know, frontline workers that are still active. Uh, those are the only people that seem to be, uh, doing anything mortgage related right now, uh, refis have slowed down because people are, are concerned, right? Do they really want to, even if they're in a position that they're still working, do they really want to be taking money out? Um, or, you know, do they just sit tight, wait and, and figure out what's going to, what it's going to look like, you know, in, in two, three, four months from now. And same thing with switches. Those have even dried up. You know, I've had a, had a bunch that were in the pipe where people, Unfortunately, just, uh, you know, got laid off. So have to sit tight, stay with their lender for a little bit longer. And you see my gut feeling right now, what is it? It's May 7th. It's been two months of just death for real estate. Just turned right off. March yeah. 11th pretty much turned off. So your servicing clients that you had and all that, as far as people looking to build, nothing. They wanted to wait. They wanted to see how the actual market would impact, which we can do another one on that. I think uh, the terminology they're saying is, uh, before COVID, so it's BC, it's DC during COVID and AC after COVID. That's what Tom Ferry's saying, one of the real uh, real estate uh, organizers. But I felt the last week it started picking up. Phone calls for me have been almost daily for build talking. So I think people have been sitting still for two months now approximately, and now they're getting antsy, and the weather's kind of promoting that too. So I'm hoping it picks up for all of us. Um, so it'll be really interesting because, yeah, it's, it's been two months of, of nothing. And for, for Royal LePage, we had our, our, our meeting today, our, our biweekly meeting right now. Royal LePage for new firm deals in the last month have been down 70 to 80%. And you know what? Like we had uh, we had Phil Soper on on a call with Dominion head office last week, week before now. Uh, and it was kind of neat because, you know, the – the message was hold course, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And, and, you know, for all those people out there that are waiting for the market to dip, they, he doesn't see that coming. No, the price, the, for me, prices aren't going to dip at all. And in fact, they're probably going to be boosted in the second half of this year. Um, sales, sales volume is definitely down without a doubt. Yeah. But prices are sustaining. It's a seller's market right now, actually, because there's not much inventory. Uh, the problem is most of the buyers right now are frontline workers and frontline workers aren't really allowed in because you have to have a declaration whenever you do a viewing. So it's kind of interesting right now when, when you're a real estate agent, like I can get through vacant houses. I've listed a vacant and it's, you're, you're looking at, I don't know, one, one to three showings a week right now. And you got to go there, you got to wipe down the lights, turn on, wipe down all the light switches and stuff like that. Turn on all the lights, go there after, you know, and, and you can get vacant ones through. If people are living there, it's really difficult. And if you have a frontline worker, you have to disclose that to the people going through and they can say, well, yeah, I don't feel comfortable because they might be carrying something, right? Which is, you know, it's understanding. People are scared right now. So it's, it's interesting times right now with COVID. It's, it's definitely dead. I see a big bounce back to the second half. Um, but that's all speculation that it's going to, you know, the numbers are going to keep getting better. We don't know. 
We don't yeah, know. that's been the the feedback from our our side of things, mortgage side of things, like all the economists within the banks saying the same thing that there's going to be a rebound, but that is also on speculation that things rem, things improve in a more in a timely manner, right? Oh yeah, look, bond yeah. disappeared. Um, <laughs> but if things improve in a more timely manner, then we'll be okay. But the longer well, this goes, the longer it drags on, the more the terminology is pent up demand right now. That's really building. Yeah, we're gonna see that. Like, I, I don't think it's gonna turn on like they've been talking about, like a faucet. It's gonna be a trickle, but you can feel it growing momentum a little bit right now. Like, there's signs of it, so I'm hopeful. Yeah, because it's been two months of sitting on my hands right now, kind of getting stuff ready. Well, let's be honest. I think all of us are getting pretty stir crazy with this. Who isn't? <clears throat> right. So yeah. people that are normally you know busy and just everybody life is life right we're all all normal normally busy regardless of what industry you're in and and it's been i'm actually interested while we wait for bond to get back curry do you have a lot of people inquiring about your insurance that you were you were you know you were selling or, or providing if there's any perks for for them for pandemic coverage or anything for for what for pandemic coverage what do you mean yeah is there any kind of stuff like that i know no, it's, it's, that no, I mean, the only thing that we would, we only sell, we don't sell like any like business insurance or anything of that nature. We, we, we sell more health insurance. So we do believe that, for example, on critical illness policies and disability policies, I think people are starting to see the value of them right now. Um, so someone was diagnosed with COVID-19 couldn't do anything? No, they couldn't. But if they were, but if that, if COVID-19 caused another ailment, uh, while the, with an existing with an existing policy that they have so and made them disabled, then they mm -hmm. would still qualify in that aspect. Um, so I think people are starting to see the value of having their own disability and critical illness policies for sure okay. because now because for years I've been saying, what happens if you lose your job? What happens if you are disabled? What happens if you're ill and you can't go to work and I mean, a lot of people did buy up, buy up on that, but a lot of people were like, oh, it's never going to happen to me, never going to happen to me, never going to happen to me. And I think this pandemic has really shown people um, that you need to have a, a plan in place. Yeah. Well, and, a, sure. and a contingency. Well, can't live check to check. <laughs> That's for sure. People living check to check are screwed right now. Oh, yeah. Somebody, people living beyond their means, too. It's, it's yeah. crazy. Did we wrap this one up yet? or? No, no, we want to wait till you got back. I yeah, know you sorry about that. We got dropped there somewhere. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks very much, every all the guys, and uh, thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Again, keep the questions coming and what have you. And stay uh, safe. And stay clean. Stay, stay healthy. Wear help your mask. Don't go to your cottages yet. Don't go to help your cottages. Us, <laughs> help us help you stay informed. Yeah. Ciao. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. 
Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 